Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by FX's Fleischman is in Trouble, starring Jesse Eisenberg, Claire Danes, Lizzie Kaplan, and Adam Brody. This drama tells the story of recently divorced Toby Fleischman, who dives into the world of app-based dating with the kind of success he never had in his youth. Then, his ex-wife disappears, leaving him with their two children and no hint of her return. FX's Fleischman is in Trouble, streaming November 17th only on Hulu. Welcome to PM Mood, the no talking points, no bullshit podcast that takes you behind the curtain, off the red carpet and to the front lines of progress with change makers and innovators that are doing the work to shift our culture and expand our social impact. I am so excited to welcome to PM Mood Seku Andrews, who is a 17 year full time poet, a 2019 Grammy Award nominee for Best Spoken Word album. And I mean, if you read the man's bio, it is exceptional. You're doing backyard hangouts with Oprah and Michelle Obama. You're doing TED Talks. You are named by Forbes to be like their poet laureate for corporate America. I mean, my God, you've turned a a title of poet, which everyone is associated with being broke, (laughs) into something amazing. Seku, thank you for coming to PM Mood. So tell me how you've done this. With lots of creativity, <laughs> perseverance, innovation, and just stubborn persistence, you know? I mean, as you can imagine, trying to, you know, when I tell people that I introduce myself as a, as a full-time poet and they look at me like I said, I'm a full-time mermaid, you can imagine... <laughs> <laughs> you could imagine the challenges of trying to create something that people don't think is even is even possible. So it has been um, a lot of you know fortitude that is taken, but it's also been very purpose driven for me um, because at the end of the day, my purpose 
has been to create a more commercially viable industry for the art form of spoken word so that poets mm. can make a purposeful and a profitable living off their art. So that when other young poets, you know, when their parents ask them in the future, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they say, I want to be a spoken word artist. I want to be a, a poetic voice that there will be some context for success in that. And I think that's one of the things that we don't have as an industry for spoken word artists like you have in comedy, like you have in theater, like you have in even some of the, you know, a kid can say, I want to be a dancer and the parents still might look at him like, boy, go get a job. But right. at least they understand the trajectory of a dancer. They understand that you can sign with a company, that you can make a living, that you can go on World of Dance or America, America's Got Talent and then get signed and join and tour and so forth. They have no context of what that means for, for a spoken word artist. And so that's been the biggest joy for me is just with the Grammys, with Poetic Voice, with the business world, the speaking world, creating that model so that poets can actually uh, you know, follow to, uh, towards success. Tell me, you, you know, were initially a teacher. Yeah. What inspired, and I, we, we share that similar background. I too was a teacher. I taught first and second grade uh, special education mm -hmm. and went to school, everything, got my master's in education because I believe in it. I just use education as a different tool now. Right. How did you make your transition from the classroom to the stage? Yeah, so I, I was originally um, planning on doing law school. And becoming me too. Look at us, <laughs> cousin Danielle over here, girl. <laughs> we, we keep talking. We're gonna find out we got relatives. I know <laughs> it's gonna be funny. Yeah, I was, you know, I was gonna do entertainment law, um, and then I started working in law firms after college, and decided that I didn't want to do law, uh, and so I took up um, substitute teaching. Mm -hmm. as my, you know, as my sort of that was going to be my actor waiter job. You know what I mean? Like yep. the flexibility to go on auditions or in my case, go on the world tour that was just around the corner always. <laughs> and, um, and I eventually uh, decided to sign on as a full, as a full time teacher. I taught fifth grade. I couldn't do the little ones. You, you could tell oh, me okay. the little ones. Right. But most of the little, most of the teachers, the first second grade teachers, they didn't want them to do a fifth grade. So it was a good balance. Um, and, that is very uh, true. See, fifth grade, I'm like, that's too many hormones. You start right. to figure out yourself. I'm not about that life. <laughs> right. And I see, I wasn't about that running around the room, play with you all day live. I was like, I need you to be able to understand sarcasm. That was my rule. <laughs> so, okay, fair. fair. <laughs> uh, and so I, uh, you know, I taught fifth grade. Um, but during that time, I had been pursuing, I mean, even since middle school, I had been pursuing music. I fell in love with hip hop and I fell in love with acting at the same time. And I kept pursuing both of them through high school, through college. So uh, during this time of teaching, I was still sort of trying to figure out how to build a career in, in entertainment. Um, and I started going to poetry open mics and I, I kind of just accidentally fell in love with poetry. Like it was wow. not the plan, right? <laughs> nobody was waking up in the morning going, I'm gonna be a full-time spoken word artist because nobody knows what that is. But I was just like, this art form is dope. And I kind of loved being appreciated for just my words. Like I didn't mm. have to worry about how dope the hook was and did I have a dope feature and what was the mute, was the beat, you know, uh, trending enough or whatever. It was just like, people were like, yo, your words moved you. Even when I was up there as a hip hop artist, um, delivering my stuff spoken word style, they were like, your words moved me. And that got good to me. And so I found myself going, why, why do we not, have an opportunity to make a living off of our words as performance artists. You know, mm -hmm. why does it always have to be coupled with something else? And so I found myself going, 
Let me do that. You know, let me see what, explore that. And the entrepreneur in me got excited about that. Like, I, this is a, this is kind of fertile ground. This is, this is a, a, a trail we could blaze, you know? So I think that was really what pushed me to make that transition. I taught for about four years in fifth grade. I remember pulling up to my, uh, my principal, uh, put, pulling up to the school to have a meeting with my principal. And uh, I sat down and she said, you're leaving me, aren't you? And I had prepared a oh. big speech, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like ready to go in and she already knew. And she was like, you said for you, she was like, I get it. She was like, we're gonna miss you and you, and we need you here, but you're meant for a, a different stage, for a bigger stage. And I, I appreciated that send off. And so I quit my job and three days later, I did my first CD release show and I made my rent in CD sales that night. And it's been nonstop ever since. That is beautiful. One, because mm, there's a meme that has been going around on social media that asks the question, what age were you when you had your first black teacher? And, I, uh, and it is so beautiful to me that you have classrooms of children that can say fifth grade. Yeah. Because unlike them, my first black teacher, I didn't have until college. And I only had two in my entire life. And so just that, just the, that I, so I want to commend you for that because I think that that's, that that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so you, you make, you, you see now in, in your, with, with the CD that you're able to make a career and, you know, unlike some artists, you, like you said, you have an entrepreneurial spirit. This is a business. You are building a business, not just a brand. Um, I always equate that with Jay-Z when he was just like, you know, I'm a business man, man. right? Not a, you know, not a businessman. And I think that, you know, too often uh, as artists, you can get very connected and should be very connected to your craft. And you're, you're the best salesperson for that craft. You can try and go out and get agents and scouts and managers, but if you don't really know how to sell yourself, right? Like then no one's going to really be picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, that's it. So and, you know, how, how did you, yeah, tell me. What's funny about that is, uh, so you and I both know Teresa. And so I literally just had this conversation with Teresa the other day because I was telling her the history of trying to create a business that is selling poetry to places that have previously dismissed it. And I said, look, I don't, there's not too much, there's not too many things that I claim I'm the best at in the world, but I would, I would venture to say I am among the best in the world at selling spoken word poetry mm. in places where it's been said it doesn't belong because that alone is a science and an art form and is incredibly nuanced. And I've worked with masters, salespeople, uh, professional marketers, and they all come in with, you know, they got their, their resumes and the, and the hit lists and the, and, and the egos of I've done this and I can do this and so forth. And I'm like, okay, that's cute. I get it. <laughs> but here's what's going to happen the minute that you mentioned spoke, spoken word. Here's what's going to happen. If mm. you say these wrong words, you will, you will instantly remove three or four zeros off of my value simply by using the wrong words, simply by creating the, the wrong context for what is it's possible for this art form. And so I'm constantly in a place of having to, to train people how, how, how to sort of be the mouthpiece and the voice for my voice for this art form, right? Um, so you're right, it absolutely is, is a challenge trying to figure out how to communicate the possibilities for this art form, but that's also the double-edged sword. It's, I call it my joyful challenge because mm -hmm. it's, it's a challenge, it's an uphill battle constantly, but it's also my baby. 
You know what I mean? It's like, it's my creation, poetic voice. It's, it's me st- being able to say to the world, yeah, I know that you thought that spoken word was only this. I know that you thought that it was only relevant at your company holiday party, but you're mm. wrong. Spoken word can have more value in some contexts than any of your other presenters at your most important senior leadership executive meeting. If you don't believe me, watch this. And my life has been the living embodiment of watch this. I love, I mean, joyful, right? And facing obstacles, I think is what is, what transcends most people, right? Because when you look at something as it is this burden that you are carrying to do, that's what people see. That's what, that's what comes off of you. That's what emanates off of you is the toiling rather, um, rather than the spirit of it. So I, I, I think that that is brilliant. You mentioned poetic voice. Talk to me about what you created. What is meant by and what is the meaning behind poetic voice? Because it's different than spoken word. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love that you even, you know, that you recognize that because, you know, it's it's an evolution. It's an extension. But there is a difference. Um, I define poetic voice as a speaking category that fuses inspirational speaking seamlessly with spoken word poetry. That's Mm. the sort of most simplest definition. So it's you know, it's not. There are plenty of folks that are performers and speakers. Nothing, nothing novel there. Um, but this is not, I'm going to perform and then you applaud and I speak. And then I perform and you applaud and I speak. This is sort of a seamless integration where you don't really know where the theater ends and the poetry begins, the business content ends and the storytelling begins. One minute it feels like I'm in a story. The next minute it feels like you're getting actionable business takeaway. Suddenly, wait a minute, he's rhyming. And now, wait a minute, now I'm crying because we're in a story and this is, te- this is a tech conference and what the hell is going on? You know what I mean? And so yeah. it creates that sense of, of wonderment, of throwing an audience off of their, off of their feet a little bit, of, of cracking them open in ways that they didn't come in expecting, which is the power of art. And so infusing the power of art into a business context, into a speaking context in this way is what uh, creates that new experience and, and offers, uh, creates a, a much higher perceived value for spoken word than we've previously had. The challenge that I had, you know, people look sometimes at my brand and they go, man, you, you know, you don't like the, the metric for success a lot of times these days is you don't, you know, how many likes do you have? You know, how many followers do you have? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, your brand is so big. I w- I'm surprised that your, your social footprint is so small. And the reason that was very intentional. Um, you know, now we're doing a lot more focus on external projects. But the reason was because I recognized very early because spoken word does not have a perceived value. Mm. I want to make a living off of this art. I don't want to be the trajectory for a poet is basically a spoken word poet is you go, you do the clubs and cafes, then you start doing colleges. And then that's kind of it. Maybe you go teach, maybe you start, you, you know, you, you you write books or or you just go get a job and you do poetry as a hobby, right? It becomes secondary. And I said, I want to continue. I love this art form. I want to continue to, to expand what that trajectory can be for me as a spoken word artist by kicking open new doors. And so in, in doing that, that became the challenge, right? Is how, how do I extend that trajectory beyond just the clubs and the cafes and the colleges? And that's why it was 
it was imperative for me to look at what are the doors I can be kicking open, like the Grammys, you know, if artists have not won Grammys, if artists, are, if artists are dismissed from business stages, if artists are dismissed from media, how can I kick open those doors to show them that poets have value there? And to create that perceived value took me saying, I don't want to worry about the, the likes and the, and the follow mm, mm-hmm, because that mm-hmm. will result. If I get a million hits on a video, that will result, I promise you, in 50 gig offers for $100 each. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep, and I was yep. like, I can't make a living off of that. Right. So, what I, wanted, so I, I shifted and said, I want to, I want to increase the, the perceived value. I want to increase the paycheck. I want to build, which, which is what I did, build a seven-figure company off of spoken word. So that now when, a com- when someone comes to me and says, all right, we want to book a spoken word artist, they're not looking at me going, and surely he'll do it for exposure, because that's all they're worth. You know what I mean? That oh now they go, oh, wait a minute, check this dude's resume. He's, he's proven the concept, so we need, to, we need to honor the value that he's created. And now it's like, now let's go get the million hit videos. Let's go viral. Let's do all of that so that we can actually create paying jobs and careers off of this. And so you still have a piece of your teaching acumen because you are now helping other artists, right? Um, other speakers, other people um, connect and kind of master that stage. Talk to us about that. Yeah, um, different different classroom, right? Still, mm-hmm. still, still an educator. Um, so I'm, I appreciate my principal for seeing that in me because now it's just a different stage. And I, you know, I credit the classroom. I'm sure you can appreciate this. The classroom is an incredible training ground to become a public speaker. Mm-hmm. You have an audience every day that you have to impress that is not impressed with what you did yesterday. They're like, <laughs> no, they, they're not impressed by what you did an hour ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, they're like, engage me right now. <laughs> We're starting fresh, right? Mm-hmm. And and so, uh, yeah, I'm, I've I've moved now into helping people to become better communicators because. I really wanted to expand the, the impact, you know, like the, I could, there's an impact that I can make through my voice alone and reaching hundreds of thousands and millions of folks on live and digital stages. But the greater impact is in showing other people how to be more impactful on their communities, um, how to be more inspiring. And so I'm, I'm involved a lot now in, in inspiration training, really. I mean, you mm. can call it, you can call it speaker training, but my message to the world right now is, look, I don't, I don't care what business that you are in, you are also in the inspiration business. And, and this pandemic, this crisis is proving that because people have got, yes, you have to get people the information that they need, right? People mm-hmm. need to know how does the remote working technology work and what's the expected schedule when I have to feed my kid in the middle of the day and how do I manage, you know, how do I manage unemployment or, or, or paycheck protection loans or like all the information is incredibly important right now. Right. The minute, that they, the minute that that dust settles, people need to be inspired to continue mm-hmm. pushing through this. People need to be inspired to say, now that I know how to, re- I have the information to teach me how to, re- uh, to work remotely, now I need to be inspired to work remotely. <laughs> to, do you know what I mean? To not have happy hours start at 10 a.m. To not, uh, okay. you know what I mean? To not, <laughs> like, to stay focused on my job, to stay loyal to, my, to this organization, to, you know, whatever it is. And so that's, that's what the message that we're sending folks right now. And that comes not only from, yes, partner with me because I can help create an inspirational voice for your organization, but it's also, let me teach you how to be inspiring because 
You have to be inspiring right now. You have to be the one that's closing the distance that isolation and social distancing is created. And there are very specific techniques and ways that you can learn to be a, a more dynamic and powerful communicator, to be a more inspiring communicator and leader. And my stage might uh, speaker training program, it's like stage fright to stage might, you know, I call it rock star secrets for public speakers because it's basically saying no matter where your voice is, no matter who your audience is, you have a stage. I don't care if you're a senior executive leader yep. or you're a dentist or you're a, a lawyer or a teacher or, or, or a manager, you have a stage. You have somebody that is under your influence and that person deserves to be inspired by you no matter how mundane you think your job or your work is. That is a power that you hold alone and I can help bring that power out of you. It's so interesting because I never thought, in all honesty, that you could teach inspiration. I know that you can teach people how to be better speakers and how to connect, but inspiration is honestly something that I thought you, you were either born with or you weren't, right? Like, you know, is somebody walking in your door who pretty much, and I will age myself, but who sounds like Ferris Bueller's teacher who is completely flat and monotone. Their, their, their job is boring as hell. Um, mm -hmm. But they're like, I, I need you to help me. Mm -hmm. How do you turn that kind of person into, into you, into, or into, into the best version of them, I should say? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the critical distinction is that, you know, it isn't sacred training, right? Um, <clears throat> it's saying, I used to, when I, when I first created the Stage My Speaker Training System, um, I had so much resistance internally because I was like, I don't want to be a speaker trainer. There's tons of them out there. There's plenty mm. of good programs, whatever. Um, but I realized that I had built a successful speaking career, never having been trained as a speaker. I had been trained as an artist and mm. seeing the stage, even business stages through an artist's and a performance lens is what made me stand out in a business environment. And I was like, well, that's teachable, right? So every time someone kept saying, well, how do you do that? And that was the, you know, that's, that's a lot of times the pivotal moment that we have in terms of evolving and expanding our, our service to the world is that we used, you know, especially artists, entrepreneurs, you know, go-getters, we live in our own magic, you know, yeah. we just go, this is my genius. This is my magic. It's my gift. And that's what I kept saying every time somebody asked the question, but it's that pivotal question, someone asking you, how do you do that enough times? And finally, eventually you realize I need to have an answer for that. Like yeah. I'm not serving the world in as profound and prolific of a way as I could be if I could answer the question, how do I do that? And I never knew how I did that. So I began to dissect and codify how I did that. And I began to realize that, yes, some of it is my magic, but that there's also mastery. There's a point at which the magic ends and the mastery begins. And when you understand that, then you go, these are the teachable components of what it is that I do. So let me begin to share that part so that I can not only not teach someone my magic, but I can bring out their magic in these, um, in these teachable ways. So that was really the pivot point for me. And I realized that um, inspiration, yes, it is a speaker training system. But, you know, when I tell people that they're battle, that people who are battling nervousness and I tell them, I want you to go on stage and I want you to focus on who it is that you're there to serve. Because right now you're trying to say, well, I have to reach everyone and I have to do this for everyone. And I go, no, that's not true. Mm -hmm. There might be one person, there might be three people that are listening to you in this crowd that what you say is going to prove to be a lifeline for their business, for their family, for their relationship, for their life, 
possibly, right? There's a line in one of my poems that says, I spit for the suicide note stuffed into the back pocket of someone here tonight, right? Like you could be, what you could be the voice that saved someone's life tonight in some literal or metaphoric way so that's what you need to stay focused on let that be what gets rid of your nervousness and has you go on that stage no matter how the great the audience experience is or not and you focus on the fact that you're there to serve and i think that's the inspiration part is that yes it's speaker training but the more that you focus on the why of the speaker training the more that you are pushing yourself to say i i need to to take this from just speaking to actually inspiring because I need to serve that organization, that customer, that workforce, that employee, that relationship, that community, that tribe in, in that way. And so this it's the purpose element behind it that I think makes the inspiration teachable. You know, you mentioned uh, magic and mastery. And I love, I, I, I love that. I, it was like it invoked like an imagery for me. Um, because I think that right now, just going back a little bit in this moment, in this global crisis that we're all living through, working through, just trying, many people just trying to survive through every day, every moment it's different. Um, and it's hard when I started PM mood, this was not happening. So the conversations were different. I can't get away from, you know, from discussing how this has impacted uh, people or how it is impacting because we're still living the moment. Um, For people who are struggling to find the magic in this moment, right? That, you know, they're, they're struggling because they're looking for inspiration from leaders that they're not finding. How do can they con- how can they conjure that within themselves? How do people what are some of the ways in which people can find just a little burst, right, of magic, of sunshine, of light that can help carry them through? Because I feel, you know, one of the things that has been so inspiring is the music, is the song, are the words, is the art. I, I think it's so ironic that those are some of the first things that are cut when we're talking about education, for instance, we cut the art. So you don't need that. You need, you know, writing, arithmetic and this, that, and the other thing. Mm-hmm. But it is, but it is the essence of art that is saving many people right now. Yeah. So how do you conjure that magic? <laughs> uh, there's a line in one of the, uh, in the, in a piece called the music movement off of, off of the, uh, the Grammy nominated album that says, uh, with music programs raising test scores uh, by 20%, cutting funding for music to save money for English and math is like removing a car's engine to save money on gas. And that to me is what is, is the embodiment of what you're talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're cutting off our mm-hmm. lifeline because we've, we've uh, you know, incorrectly assigned our, our value system. And so I, I uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a challenge, but what I tell people, I've been working on a book about the power of inspiration uh, for the past few years. You know, God willing, I will start to have some space this year during this pandemic, and this can be one of what I call my pandemic projects mm-hmm. um, that, uh, that will, you know, give me something to come out of this stronger than when I came into it. Um, and in the book, I, I talk about the need to to seek out inspiration um you know there's a, sometimes there is this you have the luxury of, of waiting for it 
I used to have that luxury. When I first started working um, in the business world and somebody might hire me to create a custom piece or whatever every blue moon, uh, that was very rare. But most of my poetry just came from within me. Um, it was just, I'm mad at my mom and I'm gonna write a mad at my mom poem or I'm, you know, loving my mom and I'm gonna write a love my mom poem, you know? <laughs> and now it's like, yo, I gotta knock out this cloud computing piece by Wednesday, <laughs> you know? And so it's a different relationship that I have to inspiration now. Now I have a luxury of being able to just wait for it. I have to go hunting for it. Mm. And I think that this is the time for that now because there's so much noise right now. There's so many distractions. There's so much negativity and fear yeah. and loss and pain and uncertainty that we have to be more intentional about everything, really, in our lives. We have to be intentional about our morning routine. We have to be intentional about our, our you know, mobility. We have to be intentional about everything during this. But we also have to be intentional about, our, about the hunt for inspiration. We got to go hunting for it. And, and if you hunt for it, you'll find it, right? Um, if, if you start paying attention to it, you'll, you'll see that thing that your, your kid did, that just mm. you look at him and it's like, oh God, that was so moving. That's such a symbol of how we need to be in the world. That was inspiring. Let me write that down. And man, this thing that this, this politician said, this grassroots activist said on television that made me go, that's what I'm feeling. That was inspiring. Let me jot that down. Right. And we mm. begin to we begin to to hunt and to gather and to hunt and to gather and to hunt and to gather so that when we have the need to be inspiring, mm. we are pulling from the source of being inspired first. We have to be inspired to be inspiring. Right. And that's the thing that people have to realize is that you got to go out and hunt for that inspiration so that you can live an inspired life first so that then you can help someone else to be to be inspired and so pay attention stick that antenna up and start and start documenting the ways that you move the simple things that you're that move you because inspiration is a very you know amorphous intangible concept um, you know what is inspiration what does it mean to be inspired right, it's very right. it's very uh, subjective and personal for each of us and so i think that we have to pay attention to that was inspiring to me. That was inspiring to me. And the more that we do that, the more that we'll realize, oh, well, if that's all inspiration is, if that's all that it took to inspire me, I'm sure somebody else feels like that. And if that could inspire me, I could do that for someone. I could say that for someone. I could give up. I could take something and recontextualize it in a way that does that for someone. And now inspiration becomes more accessible. And you begin to access it as a superpower that you've always had in you. You just didn't know how to, you know, you didn't, you didn't have a cape and a, and a spandex, <laughs> outfit, you know? <laughs> I love that. Um, one of your incredibly inspiring moments, I would imagine, would be when you found out that you were nominated for a Grammy in 2019. Yeah. You are the first uh, spoken word artist, poetic voice, to be nominated in what was it 30 years so uh you know really if you're thinking about it in the context of spoken word poetry and spoken word poetry albums yeah. it's 30 years um i take nothing away from dr maya angelou and nikki giovanni who won 12 years ago 17 years ago won or nominated um but they're also in our community they're not they're not thought of and nor do i think of them think they think of themselves as spoken word poets right mm -hmm. and much more sort of literary right poets, mm -hmm. literary poets who had a book and then they read the book as an audio book and that got nominated that's different than an album and ours was a top to bottom spoken word poetry album so that's why we say 30 years 
What was that like? I mean, let me just tell you, the clips of a full orchestra, the string theory behind um, or in or intertwined with your voice and your messages was beautiful. It was, it was, it was, um, it's something, I don't even think I use the word awestruck often, but I, I'm going to use it now. Um, <laughs> what? Made what? I made it. Made yes. awestruck list. Yes. Uh, made my well, I'm I can retire now. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what did that feel like to get that call? It was, I, in some ways, indescribable. Um, you know, I went after this with everything I had. And yet, and, and I was met at every turn with, that's awesome that you're doing that. But really? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like there, there was such enthusiasm and also such skepticism. Like, come on, I don't want you to just... Like, are you, what are you going to tell me that you're going to fly to to the moon next? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It was just mm -hmm. kind of like, mm -hmm. like you're you're chasing something that feels kind of imp impossible because, um, because of the fact that we were always up against audiobooks. Or, but to be honest, also what drove me was that because I, you know, you can't tell me impossible and then make me think think it's, it's going to be a deterrent. If anything, right. it's, it's an attraction, right? Um, but what was also a, a driver was the fact that. Some people didn't know that it was as impossible as it is because they were shocked to find out that our category, the reason why it's so impossible is because the spoken word, best spoken word album category has been dominated by audiobooks. Right, so right. That's the, that's the challenge. A lot of just, I want to make sure that's clear because some people look and go, why was it such a big deal? You're a spoken word artist. That's the spoken word Grammy. Why not, right? Well, the reason is because we're not ever competing against spoken word artists. We're competing com against mm -hmm. presidents and celebrities and giant publishers that have these huge, huge books and industries behind them that share the same category as poetry. And a lot of people were shocked to hear that. They were like, that, they shouldn't be together. Like when I think spoken word, I don't think audio books. I think the art of crafting spoken word poetry, not the narration of a book. And so that was really what made it so insurmountable. And mm -hmm. so when we, when we got the, the, the win, when we got the nomination, um, you know, that morning, I, so I'll tell you, I'll paint the scene for you. I, I, uh, I woke up um, and I had a whole lot of stuff going on in my life. And, I, and my church had just said that they were re reinstating this super early morning Wednesday prayer. And I, I never go to those kind of things. But I was like, you know what? I got a lot going on right now. And I need to just <laughs> let me go, yeah. All right, let me go handle that, right? And, it, and then I found out, so that was like 5.30 in the morning that was supposed to be happening. And then I found out that uh, the Grammy announcement was going to be made at around 5.15 on, on CBS News. And so I was like, well, I was already planning on being up. That, that's awesome. Well, I got up and I'm making my coffee and I'm sitting down. I'm ready to, to go. My wife's like, yo, we got to go. We got to go. And I'm like, hold on. I have to hear this announcement. And they kept going. The news kept going. You know, and coming up, the Grammy nominee announcements, but first, and they kept going, <laughs> you know, and it was driving me crazy. And I was like, wait, I was telling, telling my wife, wait, I gotta find this out. So she was like, well, it's supposed to be up on the website. Why don't we just drive to church and we can find out on the, um, you know, on the website when we pull up. And halfway uh, there, I got a call from my then brand manager 
who uh, who was like, did you see the news? And he was like, we got it. See who Andrews in the string theory nominated. And we were just like, I pulled over and my wife started screaming and I'm in the car and we were like, I, I remember hearing these moments these famous stories you hear of like yeah. Salt and Pepper, the first time they heard themselves on the radio and they pulled over and were dancing in their car, you know? And I was like, this was that kind of moment for me. Suddenly I'm just, I'm just screaming and my wife's crying and we're having this amazing moment. And then we pulled up five minutes later and we walked into church and we just got our prayer on and our gratitude on. Mm. And we was like, you know what? I, there could be no better place for me to be right now than to be in this sort of room and spirit of just gratitude, pure praise and worship and gratitude for all that I have in my life. And let me take this moment right now. And I, you know, I wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't prepared for it, even though it was something that I completely chased mentally. I hadn't even cleared space on my calendar for the next round of campaigning. And I told my team, <laughs> we're done. I told my team, we're good. The votes are in, we're good, you know. And then suddenly we got the nomination and I was like, oh, crap, we didn't even make space for this, you know? So it was, it was crazy, but it was, a, it was a joy to be nominated. It was a joy to be in the same category as Michelle Obama. It was a joy to get beat by, you know, the most beloved first lady and, and one of the best-selling uh, autobiographies ever, like all of it. It was just win after yeah. win after win for me. So I, I got no complaints. That was going to be my, my next question was going to be about Michelle Obama, given the fact that you were talking about audiobooks. But I'm thinking, if there is anyone that I would ever want to be beat by in life is going to be her. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be her. Like, oh, okay. man, who are you beat by, Michelle? But, oh, okay, oh, well. Look, I told one of my friends called me, and he was like, yeah, I was talking to my, like, you know, it was my 10-year-old daughter, and I said, you know, hey, you know, Uncle Seku um, just got, you know, nominated, I mean, uh, just got, uh, you know, did the Grammys the celebration. This was, this was after the awards. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and she goes, really? Wow. She goes, did he win? And he was like, no, he didn't win. And she goes, well, who, you know, who, who did he get beat by? And he was like, um, well, it was Michelle Obama. And this 10-year-old kid went, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know I mean? like, yeah. Even for her, it was like, well, of course, then, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Good for like, him, but come on. <laughs> if Michelle Obama's going to be in a category, she's going to win. That's <laughs> like, right. It's like, <laughs> come on. Um. Yeah. No, that's extraordinary. One, the last question that I always ask my guests on PM Mood, um, and I feel like for you, you've already you've given us so much um, in terms of how you find inspiration. But to put a finer point on it, I ask guests, how do you get in the mood to change the world? What is it that you do? How do you get into that space, that headspace, um, to do the work that you do? How do I get? in the mood to change the world. Um, <clears throat> I would probably say that I, it's probably three things. Um, mm -hmm. I, get in the, I get in the mood to change the world by first identifying how it is that I need to serve the world and mm -hmm. being purposeful. In that, you know, that's really what drives me. That was the beauty of the Grammy nomination was not that it was not just that it was the win for me as an artist, but even more that it was the win for our art form um, and that it was helping to helping me to serve my purpose of creating that model of possibilities for spoken word artists that didn't believe, you know, things were possible beforehand. So that spirit of serviceness, the spirit of service um, is the first thing that I think gets me in the mood to change the world. I would say the second thing is 
is the spirit of collaboration, you know? Mm. I'm surrounding myself with people that are better than me, that are greater than me at things, that, that, that fill in for my weaknesses with their strengths, um, that push my creativity, push, push my envelope. I mean, that's what the string theory was. The string theory is a 50-person neoclassical orchestra that has everything from electronica and bagpipe and, you know, DJs in addition to your, your, your string quartets. And the thought of what an orchestra that is innovating classical music could do with a spoken word artist that's innovating spoken word poetry, that was exciting to me. That got me in the mood to say, let's, let's go change something. Um, and that was one of the greatest compliments. One of my competitors, actually, Alex, uh, Eric Alex, Alexandrakis, I hate trying to pronounce, mispronounce <laughs> his name, um, was one of my uh, not fellow nominees. And he came to me afterwards and he said, you, you have forever changed this category. And that was so gratifying for me because it took that spirit of collaboration for us to do that. Um, and then I think the, the, the third thing is just, you know, just hope and belief in yourself and joy and kind of that passion that goes along with doing what you love. You know, they say you do what you love and love what you do. And I really try to bring that into the spirit of everything that I'm doing because right now, when I'm, I'm in a new place of trying to save the world and trying I'm, to serve the world, not save the world, make sure I correct that, <laughs> of serving the world. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. um, because the world has such a high need and the message yeah. that I'm sending, my, sending to, my, to my community, to my clients, to my tribe, to, to, to their communities is that, yeah, I get it. I get that the live gatherings were shut, have been shut down, but the live gatherings were for the purpose of finding inspiration. Live gatherings mm-hmm. for the purpose of creating togetherness, right? So mm-hmm. the, the need for togetherness is still there. The need for inspiration is still there, and it exists now more than ever. And that's where it is that I'm trying to make sure I'm partnering with my, my clients, organizations, letting them know all the ways that we virtually from where we are can still help them inspire and serve that need for inspiration. That, to me, that serving that need and the joy that comes with that that's that's real big for helping to me helping me to get in the mood to uh to impact this world beautiful seku thank you so much for joining pm mood you are a gift it was wonderful thank you you for having me and thank you for saying that i appreciate it's a joy Thanks for listening to PM Mood. As always, you can hear episodes every week for free. And my daily political podcast, Woke AF Daily, is on Patreon for just $5 a month at patreon.com slash woke AF. That's $5 a month for five shows a week. So check it out if you're in the mood for more of me. Danielle Moody. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at D2Cents, D-E-E-T-W-O-C-E-N-T-S. And as always, stay in the PM mood to change the world. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late-night legend Jon Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. 
Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show, ears edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.